despite a sales figure of close to £2 billion expected to possibly be at risk, IRI analysis has highlighted that the new HFSS restrictions actually present opportunities for retailers and brands in convenience. The sector has got a year to get ready before the restrictions come into effect, but there are quite a few things to consider. For instance, they only impact England for now and not the whole of the UK, and differ according to the size of the retailer. We chat to Joe Harriman, HFSS Strategic Consultant at IRI. He gives us a high-level summary of what is quite a detailed policy. Hello Joe, and thank you so much indeed for joining me today. Firstly, your title is HFSA's Strategic Consultant for Market Researcher IRI. Is this the first time a position around HFSS has been created? Yeah, so it was a new new role created uh, within IRI. was was born out of the uh, demand really from our clients to, um, yeah, understand what's what's happening with the restrictions and understand how they can uh, calculate what the impact of these restrictions is going to be and and plan going forwards. So, yeah, really, really a lot of good work was being done at IRI in terms of um, multiple people supporting our clients. But then ultimately, it, it felt that it justified a um, investment in a individual role uh, to try and, uh, I guess, be a central repository internally at IRI uh, to make sure that we're supporting our clients as best as possible. For our audience, which is global, and some may not be familiar with the UK regulations, please can you explain what the recent proposals on HFS products are? Yeah, of course. Um, so as part of the government's efforts in the UK uh, to tackle yeah, what is really a national obesity crisis, um, and particularly focusing on childhood obesity, uh, the government has introduced this HFSS policy. Um, mm-hmm. So that limits promotions and media uh, in products classified as having a high amount of calories, uh, fat, sugar and salt. So rather than a sugar tax, uh, like the one that was introduced to soft drinks in 2018, the pr- approach here from the government is more around reducing z- the visibility of less healthy HFSS products to children. Uh, So the government mentions things like restrictions uh, that reduce pester power uh, from from children. With that that in mind, it's interesting to see the specifics of what they've restricted. So to just go through through the areas, I guess they've targeted. So in store, uh, the restrictions are on two areas of promotions, particularly. Those are firstly volume promotions, so uh, promotions that encourage uh, customers to to buy more than perhaps they otherwise would. Uh, so things like buy one get one free and uh, free for free for two. Those type of offers are restricted. Mm-hmm. And then also display promotions. So end of aisle, uh, near checkouts, or near store entrances. Uh, it's restricted to put these HFSS products there. Um, now there's an exemption there in stores below 2,000 square feet. So stores that, I, I always think of it as a single uh, tennis court in terms of the size. So stores below that size are actually exempt from those display um, section of the restrictions. And that's just partly down to the logistics and how difficult it would be for them to adhere to these rules. 
So these elements of the restrictions are due to come in October next year. Right. And then on top of that, there's a media uh, element to the restrictions. So obviously with all this, I'm, I'm summarising, but the summary of the uh, media uh, restrictions is a TV watershed for HFSS products to be displayed on TV advertising before 9pm and also online paid advertising um, to be to be restricted on these type of products. Uh, I think also linking it back to the in-store restrictions, if you think of when you're on a retailer's website, uh, part of the paid, paid for advertising there is maybe to have these type of products on uh, websites, retail websites, landing pages, browsing, advertising in different categories, and also advertising at the checkout. So all of those will also be restricted uh, from retailer online websites. That's, I guess, the restrictions in place. Um, but it's, it's, it's important to note that not all categories are impacted. So mm -hmm. the government has selected categories that are deemed to be highly promoted and seem, seem to be impacting obesity levels. Um, so, so there's what could be classified as high fat, sugar, salt uh, categories that aren't impacted. Um, butter is, is an example often used here. So they're, they're targeting the, um, I guess, categories that are more impulse, uh, those type of categories that, that are purchased. And then within the categories that are included, uh, it's, it's a product level classification. And the government has a nutrient profiling model uh, where they split the nutritional elements of products between A points and C points, with the A points um, being things like uh, the calories, saturated fat, sugar and salt, and the C points being, uh, I guess, the healthier elements, which are um, fiber, protein, fruit, veg and nut content. And yeah, it's quite a simple calculation of A points minus uh, C points. And if, if a product has uh, four points or more, it's uh, classified to be HFSS. So yeah, like, as I said, uh, a high level summary uh, of quite a detailed policy from the government. Um, but there, there's a few other things to consider in there. For instance, it's only impacting England for now, not the whole of the UK. So something for retailers and manufacturers to be aware of. And it doesn't impact speciality shops. So if you're a uh, chocolate shop uh, who only sells one one type of product, um, then then you're not impacted by these restrictions. Ah, but what does this mean for the bakery and snack sector in general? I, I guess the first thing, if if a bakery and snack producer spoke to us, we'd we'd uh, recommend first understanding whether your products are classified as HFSS or not. Uh, if they are. Producers obviously have the option of looking at reformulation. Uh, mm -hmm. So whether that's reformulating current products or creating healthy alternatives. Now, this is, of course, easier said than done, uh, but it's obviously an option that um, producers are looking at. Um, if this isn't possible, however, then they need to understand the impact uh, and plan new promotional ranging and media strategies to really mitigate uh, the yeah, sales risk that that is coming from these restrictions to their brands. What are the consequences if a producer doesn't follow these rules? 
Yeah, so we estimate the crisps, uh, snacks and nuts category, for example. Um, so we estimate that they gain around 8% of sales uh, in the major malts from promoting HFSS products on display. So therefore, I guess without this promotion mechanic available to them, uh, these products, we believe, uh, have a similar amount of sales risk. Um, so around yeah, 8%. And it's the same in, in the cakes category as well. Uh, they they gain a lot from uh, incremental sales from people grabbing them on display. So again, there's around a 7% sales risk from our estimations in the cakes category. Um, now, these categories are by, by no means the most impacted. Um, for instance, chocolate, um, we, we estimate that to be the most uh, impacted category with around a 14% uh, sales risk, while other HFS categories get off perhaps more lightly. Um, like breakfast cereal, for example, um, it's less impacted due to a limited number of products being classified as HFSS mm -hmm. and uh, they don't perhaps drive as much incrementality when on display as as perhaps the more impulsive categories might. So having the display promotion removed is is less impactful on on those type of categories. Bakery and Snacks has written about the recent warnings that sales are at risk for the UK food industry if the government were to go ahead with these restrictions. IRI is now cautioning that almost £2 billion in annual sales are at risk. This is mind-boggling. Please explain. Yeah, when we first saw these figures, we, we, we were also surprised at the amount. Um, but then we asked ourselves, I guess, how often do you buy something you were not planning to because you see it on display? Mm -hmm. Then how often is that product uh, likely to be classified as HFSS? Uh, so the impulse categories, chocolate, sweets, crisps, cakes, and so on. Um, and that's exactly where the majority of that figure comes from. Um, I, I, I obviously mentioned volume promotions as well earlier, but really from... What we see, volume promotions are a lot less common than they used to be with retailers in the UK embarking on price simplicity uh, strategies over the last five years. So, so really, uh, it's, it's the display promotions that make up most of that uh, two billion sales uh, risk. And really, it's, it's all from the quick grabs of products on display, which you might not do um, if, if they were in aisle. So all that incrementality mm. uh, from that uh, promotional mechanic for those um, HFSS products being lost is, is where that comes from. Now, that's, that's, that's not to say um, a lot of the sales risk obviously won't go to other brands. Um, so the most obvious sales transfers will be to non-HFS brands that are now on display uh, more than they were before. So if you think of an example of Coca-Cola, um, the, uh, I guess, regular Coca-Cola won't be able to uh, promote on display and there's sales risks there uh, mm -hmm. that they get the incremental sales they usually get. But then if they uh, replace their regular Coke with Diet Coke, customers might switch their spend uh, to Diet Coke, which, which will get an uplift from now being on display. So, yeah, the, t the two billion um, pounds that we quoted mm -hmm. is, I guess, a risk, but in some ways an opportunity for the brands who perhaps weren't on display before to right. um, yeah, capture some of that sales. And also, also perhaps a challenge to HFSS brands to ensure that that risk 
uh, isn't lost and they can bring those customers with them to their new location in Isle. So obviously producers and retailers have to rapidly step all change to avoid all of this, uh, something they've already had to do to overcome the impact of the pandemic. Is the UK industry ready for another major change in doing things? Yeah, so they, these are definitely challenging times for manufacturers and retailers. Um, and this will be another challenge to overcome. However, I guess this is a challenge that producers and retailers can prepare for and is mm -hmm. to a certain degree in their control, uh, unlike yeah, some, some of the other challenges at the moment. So, yeah, they've, they've at least have historic data to look back on to understand the impact and therefore gives them a better idea of what they need to do. For instance, um, they can understand that if they change their promotion by X, it's going to lead to Y. And if if I change my range in a certain way, this is what will happen. Um, so it's also possible for them to run trials uh, before the actual implementation date um, on these types of changes. So uh, before the full implementation, uh, they have the opportunity to test and refine their plans uh, before the rules are implemented. Um, that said, though, the timing is going to be a really challenging one. So these these rules are due to be enforced around this time next year. Mm -hmm. So so you'll notice in stores now all the Halloween and even Christmas chocolate selection boxes in all the places they won't be allowed to be next year. Um, and the, these these items obviously drive a lot of sales for retailers and manufacturers alike. So it's it's going to be a challenge. It's it's one that given uh, the areas it impacts is 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 one that retailers and manufacturers are well well versed to playing around in terms of the levers they can pull but i guess it is coming at a particularly particularly challenging time so we advise yeah all retailers and manufacturers to use use this next year wisely i guess to make sure they're as prepared as possible for when uh, when these changes come about I can imagine. IRI has mentioned uh, that the restrictions do present new opportunities. You've mentioned some. Are there any others specifically for the bakery and snack sectors that you'd like to mention? Yeah, so display space, like yeah, like I mentioned, is, is what we think is the big opportunity here. Um, thinking bakery specifically, um, certain categories such as bread and rolls within bakery aren't actually um, under the HFSS restrictions. Uh, it's, I guess the question needs to be asked whether they're expandable categories or not. Um, but ultimately, be it really important within bakery to look at what replaces morning goods, uh, HFSS products and cakes um, on display to ensure yeah. that um, yeah, sales to the bakery category are not lost. Um, other than the display, display space opportunity, uh, in aisle in promotions, we, we believe are going to become more and more prominent. So the HFS brands that get this right, I guess, will be the ones that mitigate the most sales risk and possibly even see growth. Yeah, whether that ends up being incremental to the category or not remains to be seen. But I think we're going to see a lot more in our promotion innovation when these rules come into place, as, as that's the only place really um, HFSS products will be able to promote and, and draw customers in. Um, another op opportunity to think about is the, I, I mentioned earlier, but stores below 2,000 square foot um, right. don't have to, um, well, they're exempt from the display space restrictions. So 
producers um, of snacks and and bakery products would probably yeah have to think about how maybe they work differently um, with with retailers of different sizes um, depending on yeah I, I guess what restrictions apply to the different store types and which ones don't. Do you see this mindset against these products lasting and the regulations expanding to other countries around the world? So our assumption is is it will last and if anything it will get stronger. Specifically for the HFSS policy, the categories under under scope could expand um, if this initial policy is successful. The the policy itself originally had more categories and then it was refined lower. So that that's potential to happening depending on depending on what happens. Um, But the UK does seem to be leading the way on this topic. we're seeing a lot of interest from our clients in Europe and Australia, as they they expect something similar, but could be coming there too. Um, it may happen naturally, as multinational producers who launch successful healthy products here look to take them to other markets as healthy alternatives. But I guess the HFSS score itself is is specific to England, um, and what might pass as non-HFSS uh, might not pass other countries' health policy and vice versa. Mm-hmm. So it, it could be challenging for multinational producers to have a product range that satisfies different health restrictions in multiple countries. So it'll be interesting, I guess, how how that plays out really, because you'd imagine that producers and manufacturers are going to support governments in, mm-hmm. I guess, setting up these policies. I mean, ideally, they'd be fairly uniform across the countries, but yeah, as we know, that's that's easier said than done. So that would be, a, I guess, a challenge to look out for internationally. I've noticed quite a number of um, launch releases coming through, promoting products as HFS busting, HFS compliant, non-HFS. Are these the new buzzwords? Yeah, I mean, as brand, brands try to work around the HFS policy, it's natural we see more of these products develop. I think it will be possible in some categories, um, whereas it won't be possible in others. So, for instance, chocolate is it's very difficult to reformulate uh, to right. even get, get near to being classified as non-HFSS. So I don't think we see so much there. Mm-hmm. However, some categories like crisps, cereal, as an example, um, they've already have a lot of products classified as HFSS compliant. Uh, so it will be easier. And I'm, I'm sure we see more uh, products come come through as as being HFSS busting. Um, another example, Dr. Ucker have recently released a new range of healthy pizzas called the Good Baker. Um, right. Another category where HFSS uh, compliance is a possibility. And and then I guess you've got to think of the opportunity. So if if this becomes one of a very few pizza products allowed to be promoted on display on paid online TV um, advertising. All of that, you can imagine the potential this could bring with with limited in-category competition. Um, but then ultimately, though, it, it does depend on the customers. If, if customers don't buy these healthy options, uh, then we see we soon see them drop from our shelves. Um, but that said, everything is telling us customers are looking to make healthier and healthier choices. Mm-hmm. And manufacturers and retailers really want to help them uh, with these healthy choices. Um, I think this is going to be the ultimate test, really, to see if customers take the healthier option, which might be more visible following the restrictions, or or they seek out um, the less healthy options, which 
are now maybe slightly more out, out of sight than they were in the past. How are these products displaying their HFSS compliance? Is it going to be according to the UK's traffic light system? No, so this is a really interesting point. So it's not actually something customers will see in terms of on, on the product packet. So it's more of a internal classification uh, for the retailers to follow the restrictions. Yeah, so it's not not like the traffic light system, which is e- easy for customers to see on on a product. It's right. it's more more for yeah retailers and manufacturers to classify products and then place them and and work with them how the policy allows, rather than something really customers will notice. So it'd be interesting if customers even even notice the difference because it's obviously very big industry news, but there's not been too much in the press around the in-store uh, restrictions I mentioned. So, right. yeah, it'll be interesting to see whether customers notice uh, the changes. Absolutely. Obviously, it's all going to depend on the retailer. Do you see this changing, the system? Yeah, so governments shared um, information on how they plan to enforce uh, the rules. Mm-hmm. So, so the first instance is that the producers have to provide um, accurate HFSS information. So whether that's the nutritional information behind a product or whether that's just whether or not a product's HFSS compliant or not, they they need to provide that to the retailer. But then ultimately it's it's, um, the retailer's responsibility to ensure Mm. that once they know a product is HFSS or not, uh, they yeah, ab- abide by the rules set out in the policy on, on where it and how it can be promoted. Do you see this health trend evolving over the next five years, for instance? Yeah, so I think the pandemic has, has seemed to accelerate people's and the government's want to improve health levels. I mean, mm-hmm. Boris Johnson himself said he was he was more impacted by COVID because he was overweight. So so now more than ever, the risk of obesity to health is is in the spotlight. In terms of further government influence on health trends, uh, Henry Dimbleby, the co-founder of Lyon Restaurant, um, led a independent review for the government under the National Food Strategy. Now, there, there's a lot in this review, uh, which includes things like supporting disadvantaged children and trading standards. Uh, but the relevant part to next steps from HFSS is that within this, they proposed new taxes to be applied to wholesale sugar and salt purchases by manufacturers. So I guess the policy at the moment is around yeah how, how these products can be promoted. Mm-hmm. But those type of policies would then, I guess, make it a take it a step further if um yeah if, if the cost increases to produce these type of products because it either means it it won't make sense for producers to continue uh, producing certain products or it will become more and more expensive for customers to purchase these so again similar to the sugar tax that was imposed on soft drinks in 2018. i mean what the what the government do with this review is, is any anybody's guess mm-hmm. um and you'd imagine that next steps will depend largely on the success of this first HFSS policy. Right. Um, but on top of that, we, we could see restrictions on processed food uh, and particularly, I guess, ultra processed food. 
this has um, become a larger part of our diet. So although they're not directly impacted by these HFSS restrictions, um, yeah, we're, we're hearing more and more from our clients about the need to uh, reduce the amount of processed food. Um, so there could be policies in the not too distant future around the amount of processing a product goes through. Um, and this will be particularly interesting for certain, I guess, vegan and, and plant-based foods, which is in the most part deemed a healthy alternative to meat, mm-hmm. but is sometimes heavily processed. So it'll be interesting to see where uh, the sentiment ends up with these, I guess, two conflicting points. Um, and I think retailers themselves are really looking to lead the improvement in the health of their customer lives. Mm-hmm. Um, if you look on the websites of, of the major retailers in the UK, you'll, you'll see a lot of commitments to giving customers healthier choices and selling a larger percent of healthier products as part of their 2025 goals. Um, and these commitments actually go above and beyond HFSS. So the retailers themselves are taking the initiative to, yeah, to be seen as, as the healthy offering uh, retailer. So we're in for some interesting times. Yeah, I think so. I think I think the next year and these first, yeah, HFSS policy restrictions will be really interesting. And then, as you mentioned, what 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 comes next um, will be really interesting as well. Because I think there's there's support for it from the government. Uh, there's support from it from the retailers and manufacturers, and the customer sentiment is there. So, with those those three things in line, you you can see it continuing to be a real focus area in the industry.